reading this morning is from Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 61, and it's the whole chapter, and you'll find it on page 749 in the Old Testament. This is the word of the Lord. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, to release from darkness the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast. Instead of shame, you will receive a double portion, and instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My my soul rejoices in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the soil makes the young plant come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. So this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So loving God, thank you for your words in scripture to us, for the story of your faithfulness and of, uh, of your drawing us to yourself. We ask that you crack our hearts open to receive from you in the places where we are defended, in the places where we uh, like to keep you at bay. Uh, may they become soft. May you give us hearts of flesh. And may we receive you today anew. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
So today, as I said, we're finishing our series on the prophet Isaiah, uh, who we've been looking at over the last three Sundays. And Isaiah, to remind you, is the prophet, the great prophet to the southern kingdom of Judah. Uh, When the people of Israel, they kind of split off into two different factions, two different kingdoms, uh, the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. Isaiah becomes the prophet to the southern kingdom. And we've heard that Isaiah is the prophet that doesn't pull his punches. Um, He's quite clear with God's people that if they continue to be at best apathetic towards injustice and at worst perpetrators of injustice themselves, then they are going to end up in exile which is sadly where they do end up. So we've heard those hard things and and taken on those challenges to be people who are seeking justice, um, even uh, when all around us feels very difficult and desert-like and in darkness. Uh, But there is always, as well, in Isaiah, this stream um, that, that comes out that is a different, a different voice uh, to the harsh, harsh judgments which we've heard. Even in Isaiah 1, uh, which we looked at two weeks ago, um, there was a sense of hope. I mean, it was pretty, if you were here, you'll remember that it was pretty harsh. But even in that passage, there was a sense of hope that there was a possibility of choosing a different way, that there was the potential for learning to do the good thing. And in Isaiah 6 last week, we had the calling of Isaiah, which Daniel uh, talked to us about. And although Isaiah knew that he was a man of unclean lips, that God still called him as God calls each and every one of us Um, even no matter what our circumstances are or what we think about who we are and what we've done, that God still calls and we still have the potential to answer that call. But here we are in Isaiah 61, all the way through uh, the, the middle part of Isaiah and right to the end. But it's the perfect chapter of Isaiah to illustrate exactly where God is coming from. Um, and where Isaiah is coming from as the prophet. Because you could be forgiven for thinking that it is all about uh, the badness of the people and the punishment which is coming from God. But the truth is that uh, that punishment and, uh, and those consequences of sin are never the point. They're never the point in the story of God. Um, And Isaiah 61 tells us the point, so here it is, that there is a future that is rushing in, and it's good news for the oppressed, for the brokenhearted, for the captive, for the chained. The ruins uh, will be rebuilt, and the land will be restored We will work alongside 
strangers and foreigners. We will learn how to be fruitful together. This is the heart of God, to see all flourish and everyone liberated to become who God has made them to be, as individuals, as nations, and as the whole human race together, and in fact, the whole cosmos and all that that includes. It's not a mistake um, that Isaiah 61 is the prophecy that Jesus uses, uh, kind of appropriates, appropriates it from Isaiah um, as his own manifesto. Right at the beginning of his ministry, he goes into Nazareth and he preaches from what we see as uh, chapter 4 of Luke's Gospel. He uses this prophecy to say, this is what I am about. This is what I have come to do. And this is who I am. The one upon whom the Spirit of the Lord has fallen. He's anointed to bring good news to the poor, to set the captives free, uh, to do all those things that we talked, that we sang about in, in that song. You know, we have sung our songs of victory. But how long before these other things happen? Uh, before people are set free, before there's justice complete for everyone. Um, and Jesus takes that and says, I am the good news uh, for these people. Um, because Jesus is the fullest revelation on earth that we have of who God is and what God looks like and what God does. Um, Jesus is the face of God to us and expresses God's heart to us. And for us, what it might look like, you know, in Jesus's life, what it looks like to follow a God like that, our God who loves justice and loves to pour out blessings and love on people and on the whole of creation. And so all that we are should reflect this kind of God. I mean, that's really what Isaiah is wrestling with, that there is such a dissonance between how the people of God in, in his time are behaving and, uh, and the heart of God. And saying, you know, actually, if you choose to continue like that, it doesn't, it doesn't go well for you because you're no longer in that relationship with God. How can you receive God's blessings that come out of that relationship when you've taken yourself away from that? But as we said earlier, it's that word again, Gaudete Sunday. Yeah, it does take a little while to, to get it on the tongue. I, I admit it's taken me a few years. Um, but I, I know I haven't quite, there's another one which I was going to say in a minute, which is Litare Sunday, which is the middle Sunday of Lent, which is the equivalent, uh, to this mid Sunday. And that one, that one takes even more, uh, tongue twisting. But this is Gaudete Sunday. They both mean rejoice. Um, and this is the perfect chapter of Isaiah for today as well. Um, this is the day in the Advent season, as we've said. I mean, the Advent season is meant to be a penitential season. 
Um, I think it's right that as church we recognize what the world is doing um, and so we don't become sort of scrooges and, and, and stop people from, you know, celebrating and having their Christmas parties and all that kind of thing. But in some ways as Christians we need to learn to do the Advent journey parallel to that Christmas journey because there's something really important in saying actually um, the world isn't as it is yet. The kingdom hasn't yet come. We're still waiting. And to do that journey. Um, but if you are doing your Advent journey very strictly, this is the Sunday uh, where we have to remember. It's a discipline to remember to rejoice. Um, you might be rejoicing already and your discipline might be that you have to remember to wait. Um, but this is the Sunday where we have to remember to rejoice. Um, the lightening in the fast. Um, and it is a Christian discipline uh, to remember that even when we are fasting, even when there's a desert, even when there is darkness, there is that certain hope of the feast and the fruit and the light. You know, in Advent, we do wait in darkness because it's winter time and so it's very dark it's dark in the mornings it's dark in the evenings it's dark sometimes throughout the day when it's miserable and rainy um, so we have a very visible reminder that there's a sort of waiting and the waiting is done in darkness uh, but we're waiting for the coming king we're reminded that even as christians you know, we know that Jesus has come. We rejoice. We've got Easter. We know that. But even in the, in the knowing of that, that we are still waiting for the fullness of Christ's coming. We're still waiting for the fulfillment um, of Christ and all this world is going to be when Christ's kingdom comes. You know, Advent is a good time to remind ourselves that we're not there yet, that we should still be seeking for justice, working with God in the current context uh, to, to bring justice about, partnering with God in that, because we're not at the fullness of that yet. You know, we're still waiting for that Isaiah 61 moment. Uh, where all is liberated to be what God has made it to be or who God has made us to be. In the midst of reminding ourselves to sit in the darkness, we have this Gaudete Sunday to keep us rooted in hope. Because Christians, um, for us, our darkness is never hopeless. And the book, the whole book of Isaiah is testament to that kind of truth. You know, there are times for the people that Isaiah is talking to, as I've said, they end up in exile. There are times for them of great darkness, of desert, of fasting, or even of famine. Times when they must really have thought that God had abandoned them. And yet, throughout the whole book is this thread of hope 
you know, a kind of outstretched arm that God holds out to them throughout all the times when they're turning away from God and choosing injustice and to be the oppressors. God's hand is still held out, inviting them to hang on and in the end, showing them the future, a potential future where there is much feasting and fruitfulness and where, as it says in Isaiah 9, although there are a people sitting in darkness, a great light has dawned. And it's also remembering that for them, this was a future hope. You know, we sit the other side of uh, this great light dawning for us. They had a hope in a God who had shown up for them. And their big story was the story of them being uh, rescued from Egypt, from the land of slavery. And it was this God, the God who'd brought them up out of Egypt, who they hoped in. And it was this God who would then rescue them from Babylon and from Rome and in the end rescue them and us from death. You know, it's the beginning of the year. Did you know that? Advent is the beginning of the church year. And I believe that the church calendar is a great gift to us in our discipleship and in our walk with God. Uh, But it can also be a real challenge. You know, the moods of the church calendar might not coincide with my year, the year that I am having, um, the one that you are experiencing, the one that you are feeling your way through this year. What has happened to you this year? How are you feeling? Do you know that you are loved by God? Are you ready to rejoice? Do you want to pull the covers over your head and wake up in February? You know, we might find that our lives are dutifully obeying the ebb and flow of the Christian story, which the church marks throughout the year. Or that in our lives, we are sat in darkness, but the church calendar says we should be feasting instead of fasting. And the dissonance between the two is so painful that opting out might feel like it's our only choice. But walking this path of the church calendar sort of solidly and observing this mid-fast practice of Gaudete in Advent, or as I said, the Laetare in Easter, in Lent even, this, I think, can offer us a sort of steadying framework for us, a way along a cracked path which we often find ourselves walking, so that there is a recognition that whatever season we find ourselves in, we're reminded that there is a time for everything. And to keep in touch with the truth 
that our own life experience is not the only reality that informs us, as important as it is, and it needs to be part of how we're um, doing our discipleship and our relationship with God. But it's not the only thing that informs us. Christians have another reality that shapes our understanding. Whether the gap between life and the church calendar is simply too wide for us, or whether our life happily mirrors the season perfectly, Isaiah and Gaudete teaches us that in the midst of darkness, there is a light, and we are still called to rejoice. For some of us, you will want to shout this from the rooftops, and that's fab. (laughs) But for others, it may be that it's sort of more of a whisper, rejoice. That's a truth that we can hold on to, and sometimes in our lives, which holds on to us in the midst of real darkness. I don't know what your stories, I know some of your stories, but I don't know them all, what's happened to you this year. And both those things are a real and valid and important part of Christian pilgrimage. The abundant and abandoned joy that we feel and the crushing darkness where we're just about holding on to be able to say alleluia you know praise god i'm allowed to say that did you know we're not meant to say alleluia in advent either but we are allowed to say it today on gaudete sunday and sometimes we just whisper it so wherever you are at with life and with god this advent the beginning of your next church year. May you know that the coming of the incarnated one is good news for you. That there is always light in the darkness, joy in the midst of pain, life in the midst of death, and that hope always triumphs over despair. We're going to watch a video now. It's quite short, um, but just maybe will allow you to engage a bit with the rejoicing, the Gaudete. It's a, it's a chant. Gaudete Christus. Uh, Christ is born. Again, we're not quite there yet. We're not into Christmas, but on Gaudete Sunday, we can say Christ is born and the hour of our salvation is here. Oh, 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 oh,